Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Agongo and Mike Munzrider to answer your questions. We asked listeners on Instagram and Twitter to submit questions for us because it was kind of, I don't know, not that interesting of a week. So we just thought we'd hit up the community and get some questions. We got some really good ones, so we'll try and go through as many as we can in the next hour. We'll start with some quick ones. Uh, Mike, what's your favorite piece of skate memorabilia? Somehow I'm not completely ready, so I'm just gonna like look at the wall where I film, film, <laughs> record the podcast in my basement. I'm gonna say it's Davis Torgerson's first pro model. I got the 8.25 uh, on my wall. It's like a Purple Rain Prince knockoff. It says Davis Torgerson real skateboards in that like ill ass purple rain font like i said it's a 25 i would have skated it now had it come out but um at the time a25 was mad big because davis was turned pro a long time ago patrick same question real skateboard sweater from i think the 1999 2000 season it was i think a shops only joint and my homie jp from ftw speedworks or a skate shop in Nyack, New York, gave it to me when he was in the process of moving shops. It's traveled with me all over the world. It's the most comfortable sweater I own. And it's actually kicked off a whole bunch of friendships and relationships, including one with Jim T. Templeton, what about you? Uh, my favorite piece of skate memorabilia is uh, a copy of Yeah Right that's recorded over From Dust Till Dawn, like the blockbuster VHS tape that uh, Ty Evans gave to me. I had filmed some stuff for Yeah Right. I missed the premiere and I like went to his house and basically kind of like bugged him into like letting me see the video. And instead of me sitting around in his living room for an hour, he just dubbed me a copy. And uh, so I had Yeah Right before it came out. So is the record tab still on there or did you break it to, to, I think to comes, keep it safe? Because it's like a movie, the record tab is already broken and I think it's taped. I think it's still taped. Oh, so yeah, that's the hack. Okay. Right. Yeah. Word. All right. Uh, next question. This is a funny one. Uh, are you a Bodie or a Johnny Utah? Patrick, where are you coming down on that one? Johnny Utah, because Keanu is that dude. I love his Zen energy. Mike, what about you? See, I, I couldn't remember who was who, uh, but I'm probably a Johnny Utah as well. Bodie's a little too hectic. Yeah, I think unfortunately, because Johnny Utah is a cop. Fuck, I don't want to be putting out cop energy, but uh, I'm definitely not a Bodie. So kind of by default, I'm a John of Utah. What is your setup, Templeton? Be specific. I ride the Gray Eagle um, anti-hero board. I think it's 8.25 Thunder trucks that fit that, whatever the number that is, 149. I don't know. These numbers don't mean anything. Spitfire Formula 4 52-millimeter wheels, like the classic ones with like the green swirl uh swiss bearings that i've had for like ever you should buy swiss bearings they're like the best great investment if if you're over 30 buy swiss otherwise you're like cheap and weird and i don't i don't know black grip tape i don't care if it's like mob or jessup or whatever i always kind of like sand it down anyway with the scraps because uh, i don't like my grip tape to be like super grabby what else i always put stickers on my board almost always i, I rode one board with no stickers and that was like kind of weird um i think that's pretty much it no risers uh allen hardware i think the ones that i have now are kind of too long uh because like the shop didn't have what i wanted and i just needed bolts and that's my setup uh, patrick what's yours real mason silva 825 venture 5.2s swiss as well again invest in your hardware especially bearings like stop I won't go into I won't go into a rant about it. Hardy's Hardware, Lucas Puig joints, Allen, of course. Uh, pepper grip tape because it's the best. Everything else is trash. And I think that's it. Oh yeah, and I uh, sometimes you will rock uh, several extra washers uh, just because, uh, even though it doesn't really do much to me because the trucks actually fit the fit the board. Mike, what are you riding right now? I think I've got an eerily similar setup to Templeton's. Uh, I always buy. Familia does a bareback board or generator or whatever the you know actual distro is named. So they got generator boards by Familia, A25. It's kind of pointy. I like that. Jessup grip, forever. Back truck, front set of bolts, lower. I'm regular footed, so now you just got to get into that mindset. 
lower left-hand corner, draw a line off that bolt down through the grip tape to denote which side is which. That's the tail. And then what do I do? Uh, Thunder trucks, Swiss. I wanted to say Laird. When it comes to the bones bearings, you got, you got to have the bone Swiss. I feel like I repeated something in there. Uh, same Spitfire Formula 4s that Templeton skates, the 52s. I mean, like flat spots. Kids don't even get flat spots anymore. It's insane. They've never had that that shitty feeling, shitty sensation. And then um, I'm a pretty hardliner on Jessup just from shop days in terms of like you set up a like a dozen boards in a day. And I don't like any other grip tape because a lot of them don't grip well in terms of like I'm trying to do this fast and not mess it up. Jessup always does the best job. I'm also very dogmatic. This is where that's going about shorties, seven eighths Allen, seven eighths inch Allen hardware with the tiny nuts. <laughs> best of the best. I'm pretty sure that I've got like, you know how, uh, what is it? Lake Baikal in Southeast Russia has like 20% of the world's freshwater. Pretty sure I got at least 10% of like the um, actual shorty seven eighth that inch Allen bolts that are left in the world. Been buying those up on Amazon. So you've just been hoarding them. Oh, you just reminded me as well. I totally forgot about wheels. And I talk about this every single week in my stoked on. I ride Spitfires, uh, usually 54s. Uh, I also have a big park setup. It's a James Pritchignac their board also with ventures but 5.6s and 60s with risers on it again swiss and the wheels are always spitfire because you know what time it is uh, i've been rocking the the tyshawns from a couple of years ago uh i totally slept and did not buy the bunt ones <laughs> shame on me <laughs> those wheels were sick uh another quick question paper or plastic mike how are you paper. carrying those groceries paper patrick what do you got dog i live in la i bring my own bags it's the only way to do it man Bring your own bags. Got a trunk full of them. Okay, this is this is an interesting one. Um, maybe shouldn't have been in the uh, rapid fire section. Anyway, uh, what's your opinion on multiple shops in a city? Pick one or spread the love, Patrick. I think you've got to spread the love. And also, it's wild to me that people want to either instigate shop beef or their shops that beef with each other. I mean, you can't live in a capitalist economy and then complain when there's competition. If your product, if your shop isn't cool, if it doesn't have the vibe, Either do better or go home. Mike, what about you? Yeah, um, I'm pretty dogmatic. Again, to use that word about uh, Familia Sketch Shop. And it's funny that you bring up the shop beef because this is absolutely a topic for another time. But like early 2000s Minneapolis shop beef is fucking hilarious. <laughs> like it's so deep and it's so it's so incredible. And I um, I had diplomatic immunity. I rode for one, worked at another, and then was like the go-between for the third, and it was it was incredible. Like I said, time for another. Um, I do think that you know if you're not like down hard with one or like it's not your friend shop or whatever, like spread the love. And I do spread the love because obviously, like the Cold War of the early 2000s has warmed here, and I don't know that shit was so stupid and silly. Yeah, spread the love, but also you know be loyal to people that are doing. Here's the thing. If people are doing stuff in your skate scene, support them. If they're not, you're not obligated to support them. Exactly. I had a, there was a shop owner here. You know, I came in there. I hadn't been in like a, maybe like a month, month and a half. The owner looks at me and is like, hey dog, haven't seen you in a while. Like, where you been at? It's like, my friend, I have a life. I have a full-time job. <laughs> I have responsibilities. I, I'm, I'm not 16. I can't just be hanging out in the skate shop every day after school. It, it's, it's very, you know, it was kind of like a funny thing, but because Southern California has so much of the industry, God, like sometimes like it's like it can actually be legit and can can spill over into accounts discussion. We could probably have a, a whole conversation about that. We probably should. Templeton, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think spread the love. I mean, there's a bunch of shops around and I'll shop at whichever one is kind of convenient for me at the time. I got a homie who has a shop that's like pretty inconvenient. So go support him when when I'm up there and then when I'm just at home, I'm going to support another shop. So, yeah, spread the love. This next question is kind of a good one, a uh, quick one. Uh, favorite mostly skateboarding episode? Mike, got a favorite? Dang, I don't know if I do necessarily. Let me think real quick. I'm not doing it quick enough. <laughs> Patrick, what about you? <laughs> we'll come back to you, I Mike. Say, 
I'd say it's a tie. I really enjoyed our conversation with Betsy Gordon and getting to hear about the inner workings of the Smithsonian. And the, the, it, it kicked off a, an ongoing conversation here about archiving, which led to another one of my favorites conversation with Jacob Rosenberg, which was just illuminating. I, I could talk to that guy for just hours and hours. Tumbleton, what about you? Uh, my favorite was the Paul Zitzer episode, which was like from the earlier version of this show. And Paul just like spins this yarn that's pretty hilarious that involves like a uh, credit card company, Andy Mack and possibly a million dollars. And uh, it's, it's just a great story. So uh, it's going to be linked in the show notes and you should definitely uh, check that one out. Mike, did you think of one? I did not, but I'm going to punt it a little bit and just say that I like the ones when we are doing, we don't have ultra specific topics in mind and then we just kind of riff and they go around, and the further we get off topic, I've read the iTunes reviews of this show sometimes, and people actually don't like it, or maybe they do. Maybe there's the silent majority out there, but I like it when we just kind of like go far afield, but we're talking skateboarding and talking shit like it's at the shop, and yeah, I I, I believe that's our one of our strong points if we're doing anything right here. Yeah, those are always fun. Now we're going to get into some kind of longer ones, but this one will kind of be a little more rapid fire. Uh, Peter Venker, uh, former guest, asked, uh, favorite article or interview you've done? Mike, you've done done a lot. What, what do you got? Um, I'm probably leaning into recency bias, but I really like, and it was well, well received, the um, Skate Shop Tees story I did for Quarter Snacks earlier this year. Like that one, that was a lot of fun to do. And I feel like it was a novel enough concept, perhaps to snack man. And then as I'm thinking back now, I did a, it was called a product of the environment. It was for the skateboard mag. And this thing is only in print and it's, I, I don't recall what issue of the skateboard mag it was in, but it was a product of the environment with Brian Heck, who comes from Belfield, North Dakota. And uh, Sam McGuire, Todd Bradtrude, and I drove up from Minneapolis to Bismarck, where Brian Heck was living at the time, and we we shot the interview, and then I interviewed him in a hotel off of I-94 up in North Dakota and wrote this, and I don't even know how it was published. It was completely insane, this thing I wrote, but um, that's out there. And to finish it off, we did that in 07 and then 2008 Sam McGuire drove out to LA and I drove with him cause he was moving there. We stayed at Mikey Taylor's house and I'm forgetting Mikey Taylor's good friend's name, but he's a good dude. And we, we mentioned that we'd done that Brian Heck thing or that we knew Brian Heck. And he's like, you know, Brian Heck. And then he's like, you did that interview and it, and it blew his mind. So, um, that's that's an all-time favorite. Not like we can link to it in the show notes. Patrick, anything that, that really uh, you're pleased with? An interview or an article I've written. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation I had with Anthony Papalardo a few years back when I'd done The Blacklist. I'm a huge fan of his writing. His Artless Industria substack is a source of great information, but also some really big laughs. So shout out to Anthony. Templeton, what about you? Favorite thing you've written? Favorite interview you've done? I think that I've kind of come into my own with the podcast. You know, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I wrote was kind of whatevs. Um, but I'm I'm really uh, pleased with the John Morello interview, like right after Bunny Hop. Uh, that was just me and Jason interviewing him about the video. And I feel like we uncovered a lot of information that just wasn't out there in any other places. So I, I was really happy with that. And uh, also really happy with the Ryan Lay interview when he left Welcome to Go to Sci-Fi Fantasy because again I felt like with with that interview we were like adding to the culture and kind of like getting an inside view of what it's like to switch sponsors and yeah I, I think that those two were just like something that added a little more to the culture than just like you know what was your first skateboard or something. I, I thought that John Morello interview was really good because, yeah, I think I was on vacation and listened to it. And I will add, I think Mikey Taylor's homie was named Ruben, if I remember correctly. So There we go. All right, next question for you all comes from Isaac McKay Rendozi. Are brands like Cariuma bad for skating as a whole? Bad for whom? Same question that you ask in urban planning. For whom or for whom? I'm kind of agnostic. Again, there's freedom of choice in skateboarding. You don't have to support 
every single brand. You don't have to buy their shoes and you don't have to buy their boards. I don't like Karayuma shoes. I don't like the way that they look. I've never tried skating them. I have no idea who's on the team apart from Bastion. I see them all over the place in LA, but dog, I'm 41. I can't be pressed about the shoes that the other kids are wearing. What about y'all? I mean, for me, I think bad for skating is kind of like, you know, bad for skating, good for skating. It's kind of like a weird concept because like Karayuma has zero effect on my skating and me hanging out with my friends and skating and stuff like that. So I, I think that just kind of the concept of bad for skating and good for skating is kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I think that like we just kind of give brands too much power or importance in skating. Like the real shit is you and your friends going and having some adventures and doing tricks and being out there. And yeah, Karyomi has no effect on that. Mike, what about you? What do you think? Uh, I'm like a hundred percent in your, on your side, Templeton in terms of like, well, this thing exists and they want to make money and then it has zero impact on, you know, my experience of skateboarding. I have heard that they pay skaters well, and maybe that's a net good effect, at least for those people that are getting paid to skateboard. Cause that's tight. Like the whole question of whether or not non-skate brands are good or bad for skating really, I, I finally understood it in terms of like, does the money stay within skateboarding? Because if you have like a Lakai that puts out a fully flared and it's on top of the world, like that money is just staying in skateboarding. So there probably is when you've got like a Brazilian shoe company, because that's what Karyuma is, like they make shoes for civilians and for other walks of life and all that. So the fact that the money is going to these people outside of skateboarding and they're not circulating back in, that's probably bad overall but i i really don't i don't know what's 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 good for skateboarding you could argue skate parks are bad for skateboarding or you could argue they're great like i don't know skateboarding is skateboarding this is this is that cheesy old you know it's not anybody's it's nobody's but yeah skating just is what it is and it's unpredictability is the best so that's an incomplete answer but i'm talking too much here i'll ask the next one from kevin del grosso Patrick, are you excited for Static 6? Yeah, absolutely. And when is it dropping, by the way? I don't know. I mean, if it's coming out this year, that means it's going to be one of many very good videos this year. Something just happened in the last week or so. I mean, we got a Palace video coming out soon. John Wilson just dropped a new video today on the day of taping, Thursday the 10th. You know, it, that kind of thing, is it, it's exciting. Like, I'm, I'm hyped for it. And uh, it's... Is, is, is static our fast and furious in skateboarding? Always <laughs> reliable. Question. Wow. You know? <laughs> is it about always family? Reliable, always there? Is it about family? Damn. That's, that's uh, I don't know. That's one for the highlights reel. Uh, I think for me, am I excited for it? Yes. I, I'm interested to know what the release plan is going to be because all the other ones have been uh, physical media type deals. So I wonder, will static get an online release? Like, what's the plan there? Also excited for Kevin Del Grosso's next Grains video, which I hope he's working on. Those those Grains videos are really good. You should check them out. They'll be linked in the show notes. I'm excited for the Jordan Trahan part, because mm. that's rumored to be in there. Though I have uh, previously expressed uh, skepticism about, like, these, like, well, just ongoing, ongoing series of skate videos. I feel like... All right, I'm just coming out with it. Static 5 was kind of running out of gas. Mm. That was my opinion in a in a hot skate park as I watched the premiere, and it's like, oh, extra video coming out. That's tight as hell. That's very dope. Don't grudge the work. Don't begrudge the work is the is the word that I wanted to say. But yeah, I, I, I think I think that God, Static 2 was like foundational in my skate mindset and like that Bob every part in there. Every so part good. in there was incredible. And Static 3, even though some like Habitat guys stayed at my house and left it out shiny side down on the carpet after watching all my videos. They didn't put any of my videos away, those guys. Fucking rude. And I didn't even I, I wasn't as enamored with Static 3. I'm like, I'm wondering I'm wondering how much gas is left in the tank, and I'll be pleasantly surprised when it's really awesome, because that's what I expect it to be. Just like Don't. the Fast and Furious series. <laughs> There we go. There we go. We need Jason to write uh, like a one of his pieces where he connects those dots. Uh, 
I think he'd, he'd be the perfect person for it. Uh, he'd, he'd probably connect the dots right here on the pod if you were here. Jacob Hiblin asks, uh, who's the most promising up-and-coming AM? Mike, you got got any anybody in your sights? Um, I'll go with one of the more exciting people on a skateboard, I think, right now. Uh, I'm really into Reese Nelson, who's like 10, and she rips vert like a grown-ass person, does kickflip nose slides and kickflip roast beefs in like esoteric lip tricks like... I mean, she did ollie. It's important to point out. She ollied into a frontside nose grind and then went to fakie during like a X Games run. And what else? I'll try to think of like one more. Oh, switch frontside hurricane into regular. So she's a 10-year-old and she skates with Colin McKay. I hope Colin McKay is skating because he's incredible. And you can actually see his fingerprints on how Reese Nelson skates like... I am totally geeked out by all her Instagram clips and anytime she pops up on Twitter, like the Bones Bearings account is very good about putting up her footage, but she's very exciting. And for for like a 10-year-old and it's girl or not, like little person, the way she can just have like power on big ass vert ramps is really incredible. Like she's a crazy athlete. Uh, Patrick, same question. One word. A quasi. I got to represent from the continent, man. He is <laughs> phenomenal. He's a cool person in real life. He's an incredible artist. And just like the stuff that he's been dropping recently with sci-fi, I'm really looking forward to see where he where he ends up in the next couple of years. Templeton, who's your favorite up-and-coming am right now? I think Jason Nam, who just got put on quasi. I mean, I think he's up. So a little bit of a hedge there, but he, he's awesome. Uh, I just literally like yesterday discovered Paige Hine and she fucking rips. It was just two clips, a board slide on like a 10 plus stair handrail and a 50-50 on like an eight stair handrail, like legit, both legit rails, like super ripping girl. Uh, And then Brian O'Dwyer, again, kind of already a made man, but I don't know what his board sponsor deal is. Maybe Death Wish, but seems like not quite official. seems like brands don't really make it official like they used to but those are kind of my my picks Uh, it's all very squishy it is it's weird skating's very squishy right now it's like oh we won't even tell you who this motherfucker is they're ripping though (laughs) so true uh dan russin asks uh this one specifically to mike mike you've mentioned being a spot purist sign and wax only uh do you have any new thoughts after your bowl interview which programming note Everybody should go read this interview on Quarter Snacks. Super good. Really like the intro, and he talks about a lot of shit that I'm interested in, like filming and fixing spots. So, Mike, did did he change your view on spot work? Yes, it's with Justin Bull, who makes videos out of Detroit, Michigan. I think what he's doing is completely legit in terms of my purest act of, like, I use signs and wax mostly because i'm kind of just lazy but what justin bull does and i kind of asked him about it like are you altering spots what are you actually doing to spots and i now completely blanking on you know how he explained it but he's making things skatable and i think there's photographs in the article that show what he's doing where it's like oh, there's a sidewalk under there, maybe, and then he's clearing dirt, and then if there's sidewalk missing, he's putting in uh, concrete, not cement. He's putting in concrete to make it, right, like, skatable, but he's not, like, improving it. I think I think my mentality is mostly the same, so my approach, which is just, like, I'll whack stuff, and then I'll use a sign if, you know, you can't ollie up a curve. I don't know. If you can ollie up it, I won't put a sign there. But if you absolutely just need to get from A to B and then you can't do it without alling, put a sign. But um, I think what Justin Bull's doing is completely legit in terms of like making options where they would exist or had existed, but he's not enhancing the spot. It's not the Nija and the trick's insane, but you know, Nija ollies up a little launch ramp built into the curb to then do an insane backside grind or whatever we did. So hopefully that made some good sense. Um, let me, let me, let me read the question again. 
no new thoughts. I think what Justin Bull does is is fine, and I'm still kind of a purist. I'm just lazy. Sign and wax is for me. Uh, our next question comes from the Life is Skate Talk podcast. How has being a skater affected your approach to your profession slash the non-skate world? I think it's actually shaped it in a pretty profound way. Skateboarding is one of the ways that I first learned about civic engagement, more specifically writing letters to the editor and advocacy for skate parks, uh, attending city hall meetings. I'm a civil servant, by the way. I, I work on government websites and apps here in the United States. And so it really taught me about the machinations of government. Um, I'm also married to an urban planner for Southern California. And so even though we don't always talk about skateboarding, um, skateboarding has really shaped the way that I think about, number one, the possibility of being able to facilitate change, but also has kept me grounded and rather realistic about what's actually possible in government, how much stuff can we do as individuals or with a nonprofit or say the private sector. So I'd say a, a pretty big one. Mike, has, has skating affected your approach? I mean, I don't know if it affected my approach so much, but it literally got me into the um, kind of like journalism reporting world in terms of did a local skateboard blog that's about to turn 20 years old, not that I've updated it in like X number of years, but uh, my roommate and I, no, I should say my roommate started a blog called Platinum Seagulls 2003, August 2003. I think it might have been August 23. 2003 and uh it was about minneapolis skateboarding and before long let's say 2005 i was just i was the guy writing stuff on there and uh i'm kind of glad that the early years of that blog are now missing to the internet due to uh missing from the internet due to the loss of hosting and all this but like i learned how to write and i learned how to make content and i learned how to i don't know think in terms of like making stuff and keeping up with news and this and that. And so I did that blog for a while and I went to J school, journalism school and, uh, have since done, you know, work for newspapers, work for magazines, trade magazines, skate magazines. Uh, I think it's informed how I approach this podcast work. And so there's that. I'd say that has informed it. I'm trying to think, I don't know. I, I probably overall skating just like makes you, maybe a little bit more open-minded and a little bit more in interested in processes. And yeah, I think, I think it makes you curious. Your thoughts, Templeton? Uh, I don't know if skating makes you curious. I think that the curious it can. maybe uh, gravitate towards skateboarding, but it, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it does make you curious because we're always like, what's behind that building? Maybe there's a spot, you know, like we're just always like looking at things a little differently. But I think, yeah, like it's had a huge effect on me. I think like everything I do can kind of like if I want to, I could trace it back to skating. You know, like I made skate videos, so I make videos for a living now. And like I wrote for Skate Magazine and Skate Blog, similar to what Mike was saying. And I ended up doing some writing in the real world. So, yeah, it's all it's all kind of connected. This is a fun one from Casey Hannum. If you turned pro... Who would you want to draw your first graphic, and what would it be, Mike? Ooh, I, 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 it would have to be Todd Bradford, who does the graphic. And this just came to me. There used to be this sculpture bank that was in a parking lot at a weird... I don't even know if it's a museum. I don't know what it is. It's this weird old stately building in Minneapolis, uh, University Avenue and Central, I want to say. No, University and... No, that is Central. Um it was this bank sculpture and we called it steep bank of doom. And so I'd want like this just, I, I'd want the steep bank of doom drawn by Todd Bratchard in like the most horrific means. Patrick, how about you? Uh, one of two things, but the artist would have to be my friend, the, uh, the writer Mel one from New York. So either it would just be a tag with my name, either Patrick or cousin P kind of like the New York or the Stussy style, just real quick, plain white back background. Preferably a dipped board, and if not the tag, then maybe have Homegirl do kind of like a maybe like an impressionist take on the world, uh, the old World Trade Center buildings. Tumbleton, what about you? Of course, I'd have my wife do it. Colette works; she's a collage artist, so it would be uh, some figure representing me looking out into a circle, and there'd probably be some birds. 
Uh, and it'd probably be for the Killing Floor because they're um, they kind of have a collage style, or they definitely do have a collage style. So that's probably where I would go. All right. So from Ben Dickerson, quote, thoughts on pro skater that still have a board out, but no video part for five plus years. Templeton. Uh, I, I don't like it when pros don't put out footage. I really don't. So I don't like that. But if you're if you're still, you know, it's a business. If your name is still selling boards, then I guess that's fine. What about you, Patrick? Gino Iannucci and Kevin Bradley always <laughs> have a pass. Everybody else, you got to give us something. Even if it's on the gram, you got to give us something. Mike, what about you? I'm going to go hardline opposite of you. Like, man, you're just taking up, you, you, you're taking up space, taking the jobs of other kids who are trying hard. Out of here. Five plus years, no part. Out of here. Harsh, harsh but fair. I like it. It's the correct answer. It's just... I can't be doing that to Kevin Bradley, who has two tricks in John's vid, so he's hit his quarter for the year. Kevin, Johnny's Johnny's vid. Excuse me, Johnny's vid. I'm thinking about Johnny, John Wilson, because John Wilson from the HBO show How To With John Wilson was at the premiere, which is super cool. I love that show. See, our next question comes all the way from the beautiful and bustling port of Seattle, Washington. The homeboy, Jamie Carey, asks, what are your thoughts on collaborations? If done well, like, for example, Palace, and polo, they can be inspirational, they can transcend skateboarding and the other brand that you're collaborating with, and they're pieces that can live forever. When they're done poorly, uh, it, it can drag down both brands. What do y'all think? I think I've been on record here to state that I don't fully understand them in terms of a purpose beyond business, you know, capital B business. Uh, I, I think I know what Jamie's getting at. I, I, I think there's a subtext here, and I'm going to just talk around it. I think they're generally kind of pointless, unless they actually have some synergistic value. And then maybe they're cool, and if it hits perfect, I'm like, oh, shit, I want that. But overall, I mean, they're just they're just brands being brands, like, and we should ignore them. And most of them are stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think brands being brands is, like, not that interesting and collaborations are kind of like a way for brands to create interest where maybe there's not much but i do think that every once in a while like if you can get a brand to like if you can collaborate and like freak up a classic then that's pretty fucking cool so i'm i'm like uh cautiously down for a collab when they hit they hit very hard exactly extremely hard but otherwise a lot of them are like BS. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Jamie, to wink, wink, nod, nod about a uh, little sub you just sent us. We're probably going to be talking about that at length on a future episode. We're just waiting for a video to accompany that collab. I, yeah, I think we'll go long next week on that. Exactly. Exactly. Stephen Harox asks, New Balance seems to have the juice right now. How much of this is attributing is attributable to signing the boss or is the brand's time in the sun, in the sun just part of the cycle? Uh, Patrick, what do you think? A couple things. It's Chad Tim Tim as the team manager. I think that's his role. I think it's the old head appeal of New Balance, getting somebody like Andrew Reynolds on the team, but also like a lot of the younger cats. And also the fact that New Balance, they're riding the Kirkland chic slash uh, dad chic wave. So it's a combination of a whole bunch of things. Oh, and also they got Tiago. So the combination of having fashion, some of the best skateboarders on the planet rocking their shoes, plus comfort, plus what's like a little secret sauce in there, they got the juice. Like it's one of those things. It, it, you can't fake it. It's like it, it, it's, it's, it's a confluence of all of those things coming together. And it's really, really, really hard to maintain. So you basically you've got to get while you can and use this as a foundation so that the brand can grow. Mike, what do you think? I think the people got tired of a lot of the other brands and I've never put my foot in a New Balance skate shoe, but I do think that they all look good and I do think that they must be pretty darn decent because I remember going to Slow Impact and like, gosh, 60% of the people there were skating in New Balance. So I don't know if it, I think Reynolds was the cherry on top. I think the Tiago shoe in our bubble is very popular the like online online skate twitter skate x 
skate x <laughs> that's so stupid sounding it's like gonna be skate twitter forever there's like the bubble but i i do think that some of the bigger people want shoes that are well made and some of the stuff from nike adidas etc has gotten stale and the new balance stuff looks good and it looks good in such a way that makes me think it skates good and feels good or well, if we want to use proper English. So I think it's just simply like they got the juice right now because of natural fluctuations and brand interest and blah, 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 blah. Templeton, right? Yeah, I, I think there is something to them signing Andrew Reynolds. I think that he is an authentic fan of New Balance. Like he was wearing the New Balance before he got on and he was like, he was like, I need a shoe that's going to protect my feet. And I found that New Balance was that. And I think that, you know, an authentic brand ambassador like that goes a long way. So maybe that has a little bit of how New Balance got the juice. But like like Mike was saying, the shoes look good. I think that the team is good, you know, like Patrick was saying, they've done a good job of mixing the old and the new. And yeah, they're doing good. And they got Ryan Lay and those new shoes, the 480, those look really good. Like, yeah. I would, I kind of want a pair. So, oh, one more thing. They're available off the rack because here's the thing. I hate waiting in line for anything. I don't do drops. I don't do raffles. I like being able to pull up, try something on, cop it, or be able to just order it. And that's something that's really key. Just being able to grab something and rock it. Boom. Also, they did that collab with Roan, which is Tony Ferguson's brand. His joints are fresh. Woo. Dude, I want, I've been wanting the Roan purple, like kind of loafer slip on for very long time. They don't have the size 11. I need to size up half a size. They, well, they don't do half sizes. They just keep fronting like they're going to have it. I would add that uh, from what I've heard, the New Balance kind of like skate program is small, but it is smart professionals. From what I've heard about other sneaker programs, like the, not everything always adds up to what I just said, so it's like they have they have a strong core, I would say. Oh yeah, so that's, it, that's probably in their in their their best interests as well. Exactly, it it makes sense to keep your operation lean at this point, so that you don't end up over bloating it and then inevitably disappointing people. When guess what? Uh, we got to kick off most of the team and a bunch of the support staff and the designers. Good luck. Here's your severance. All right. I'm going to jump to this one because it's from uh, it's specifically to Patrick. It's from Lawrence Wong of London. Hey, PK, how'd you become so swaggy? <laughs> it's a very flattering question. Um, if we're talking about dress, I've been obsessed with dressing. I am really a big proponent of style over fashion. And also, shout out to the recession. I can laugh about it now, but at the time it was terrible. I really learned to find a deal really, really learned how to find a deal, how to find samples, how to find to dig through thrift stores, how to dig through consignment stores. And I genuinely enjoy getting dressed. It's it's one of my it's one of my great pleasures. And one of my wife's aunties asked me at a family party recently. She said, you're always so well dressed. And I always look like I look at it like this. You know, you only see your relatives so often. Um, even if you see them frequently, you don't see them every single day. So why not stand out? Be a little bit of a peacock, you know, swag out. And I'm also heavily influenced by Les Sapeurs which is uh, a trend that came from what used to be Zaire, now Congo. It was uh, Congolese from Zaire and also Congo Brazzaville, who would go and work in France and Belgium. After World War II, this was in the 60s and 70s, they'd save all of their money. And what they didn't send home in remittances, they would buy the flyest shit in Paris, in Brussels, in London. And they would come back, they were dressed immaculately, Louis Vuitton, Cartier, Yves Saint Laurent, like just looked amazing. And it was a sign of, uh, it was a sign of I'm working hard abroad. I'm putting my family on, but I'm also looking fresh too. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. There we go. The story behind Patrick's swagger. Homie Niles from Warren Path, he asks, do you think people who do not skate or have close connections to skating think that skating looks cooler than parkour or rollerblading or whatever? Or is it our connection to skating that makes it seem cooler than other shit out there uh mike what do you think yeah i think like skating duh. i think skating 
connects to like people connect with skating because nearly everyone has stepped on a skateboard at some point or another and maybe they fell on their ass maybe they didn't maybe it was hard maybe it was easy but like there's there's an accessibility of skateboarding whereas like a lot of people have rollerbladed but i mean even even when the aggressive inline stuff was happening you know there were all those kind of like off-color jokes that wouldn't fly now you know how do you tell your parents you're a rollerblader like people kind of thought it was hokey even then even though i do have you know the utmost respect for people that have rollerbladed since the late 90s that's crazy i think that skating is both accessible and then really hard and as far as parkour goes it's like yeah it'd be tight to run and jump over that thing but I think there's kind of like an inherent silliness to it. Those guys don't dress cool either. They're a little too athletic. They they look like French dudes from the Paris suburbs. Does that check out, Patrick? Yeah, and that's actually where it comes from. But that's also the look of pretty much everybody on Palace. So <laughs> it tracks. I, I mean, skateboarding looks cool because, dog, we got that rebel edge. That's what it is. You know, rollerblading. What's rebellion? There's people rollerblading on the pier. You know, they're rollerblading uh, at the beach. Like, come on. Skateboarding has always had that. It, it's like, we're the bad kids. And I also think another part of it, too, is that when skateboarders dress well, my God, we look amazing. <laughs> A well-dressed skateboarder, there is no activity out there that produces people who just on the regular just look this fly in terms of athletic activity. It took a dress code for people in the NBA, for NBA players to start taking fashion and all that seriously. Because remember, like when they first instituted it was David Stern, the former commissioner, instituted the dress code because he didn't want those negative thug elements in basketball. Everybody was just going like big and tall stuff and grabbing stuff off the rack. It looked awful. Like it was like zero swagger. And now everybody looks amazing. But guess what? Skateboarders been doing that. And if you ever wonder about why skaters are so hyper reverent of the 1990s, because it was that era where so much of streetwear and skateboarding just meshed together. And you had skate apparel companies that were just killing it. Woo! Oh, my goodness. Templeton, what do you think? Uh, see, I, I tend to think that skateboarding is less special to the outside world than it is to us. You know, like, we've all had, like, our cousin send us a video clip of some 12-year-old doing a freestyle routine. And they're like, isn't this awesome or whatever? Like, I think that the masses don't have good taste basically and i don't think that they can really differentiate between skateboarding parkour and rollerblading and lots of other action sports so i i think that you know our close connection to skating you know makes it more special to us than to the outside world i will say like this kind of discussion about clothing is like i don't think there's another sport or activity where while you're actually doing the act you can dress as cool as skaters everybody else is more performance oriented well and there's like there's definitely a performance orientation within skateboarding i think that other activities should think more of like i can look cool and still do this right like the 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 reflective vest like the safety green reflective vest that bikers will wear it's like man the idiots that are gonna clip you are gonna clip you one way or another at least look tight see but here's the thing only skateboarders could take a yellow safety vest, or in French, a gilet jaune. You probably are familiar with the phrase from the protest a couple years ago. Only skateboarders could take that. Like Etienne does this from Alzheimer's, could take that, freak it, and actually make it look good. That's the thing about or, skateboarding. Like wild outfits actually work. Like look, look at the Corey sci-fi Kennedy video. and pretty sweet, man. Corey Kennedy. Yeah. All right. Next one comes from the homeboy all the way from Michigan, Nigel from Skate Twitter. Seattle skate scene seems like it's having a moment. What goes into a local scene achieving national prominence? Is it brands, skaters, spots, or is it a perfect storm of sorts? I think it is just that. It's a perfect storm. It's a confluence. It's the right shops. Because you didn't mention that. Because a cool shop or a cool network of shops is going to be the thing that's going to get people hyped. It's going to be a video or a clip that's filmed there. It's something that it's a je ne sais quoi. It's something that you can't quite put your finger on, but there's also real tangible things that make that joint happen. It, it is the years and years and years of work. 
And, you know, we've talked a lot about the difference between, say, Minneapolis and Chicago. What is it about Minneapolis that people pay so much more attention to it, even though Chicago is the much bigger city with, I would imagine, a bigger scene? What do y'all think? Uh, Mike, I feel like you're from a scene that has achieved national prominence. What do you think? Like, is there a secret sauce? Uh, you gotta have You got to have people that are willing to do stuff, and doing stuff is defined as... Uh, stuff at the local level, which is just like, you know, promoting the shops, doing events, doing things that bring people together. And then you need, you know, you need rippers, you need rippers who are motivated to like film video parts. You need the people to film those. You need the people to then, you know, put it on. It's a pretty holistic thing in terms of, um, you know, it all, it all fits together, but you need motivated people who, want to promote the place and it 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 dovetails into the the interview that we mentioned that came out this week that i did with justin bowl who's from detroit uh which was on quarter snacks like that guy is fixing spots he's definitely I, i i didn't ask him this but i i'm pretty sure he's motivating people to get out and skate because then he's filming them and he's making videos and he's connected with the shops it takes people who are motivated to do shit. And I think, I think that's the bottom line. Like if you have people that want to build stuff, make stuff, make videos, do a shop, do a shop that does things like that's, that's how you get up there. That was longer winded than I wanted. Templeton. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with what you guys said. I think that one thing that somebody mentioned to me is a good photographer, you know, like filmers are kind of a dime a dozen or, I don't know, maybe that's a little dismissive, but there's a lot of filmers out there. But having a really good photographer, I think, can do a lot for a scene because that's what's going to get you some magazine coverage. And I think magazine coverage is like a little bit higher tier than uploading something to YouTube. You know, it kind of requires that cosign from like the big boys. Yeah, I think I think it's, I don't know, people that are motivated to do stuff, make stuff happen. It's instigators, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and a photographer could be that, or you know, filmer or whatever. From this is the new question, guys. From Colin A. Burke, what's your trapped on a desert island spot? Okay, your um, South Pacific coral reefs and blue water, every direction, all you can see, but you've got the ultimate spot. So what's it going to be, Templeton? My pick is the MLK Library in Washington D.C. That's a now sadly gone spot, but it was like all these granite ledges, like planter ledges in a, in a row, and then these slightly lower red benches that were made of some type of stone, something that grinded really good. So it was a great spot. It had nice shade. So in this desert island, I think shade would be an uh, important thing to have. So that, that's my pick. Patrick, what's your desert island spot? South Street Seaport, without a doubt. It would be amazing. Plus with tropical vibes, oh my goodness. Mike, what about you? <laughs> Uh, I'm saying Fifth Street Towers from Minneapolis before it got skate stopped, which is like so long ago now. But um, we're talking granite tile floor, granite ledges, granite little ollie up banks and all these weird options. Um, If you really want to get into the nitty gritty, go on Google, uh, Google Street View, Fifth Street Towers, downtown Minneapolis, and you can see it all in its, uh, albeit skate stop splendor. Yeah, having some weird options would be good if you're if you only get one spot for the rest of your life. It'd be nice to just get weird or ha- have the option to get weird. I'm gonna jump in with the next question. It's from a uh, Colette out of the <laughs> Portland area. Do you guys plan to meet each other ever? Uh, I don't think we have an official plan. But I think we're all planning to go to Slow Impact next year, which I hope that's happening. So I think that we'll probably meet up at Slow Impact. Is that, is that right? Is that yeah, track? I think that's correct. Yeah, I got fingers crossed. Ryan Lay, if you need any help organizing, call us. We're very, very handy and we're good with spreadsheets. But yeah, I mean, I've met Mike. We had a great time at Slow Impact earlier this year. Um, and it would be great for all of us to to hang out. Well, and I think then we got the follow-up question from simon clark who's asking if you could meet up all in person what spot would you want it to be patrick what do you think oh i think y'all know hotel de ville in lyon france because i want to see mike do a 
kickflip pivot on the statue over there. I want to see. I want to see Jason at his Eurotech ledge tech mecca. Uh, and Templeton, I know for a fact that you got a little something on the metal edge ledge as well as some benches that are right around the corner and there's a bank there. And also because then afterwards we could all get some really nice uh, Vietnamese food around the corner. What about Joe? That's Shit, perfect. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the homie Beyond Boards, great podcast. You guys should check it out. It'll be linked in the show notes. Asks, why is skateboarding not addressing the issue of global warming? Patrick, what do you, what do you think? Skateboarding can't even address the issue of universal health care in the United States. We, we, we have great difficulty thinking about the periphery of the industry, which I think we're kind of in the journalistic corner of skateboarding plus actual skate industry, about thinking about global warming. I think a lot of us think about it from an individual level, certainly. But it's really difficult. It seems like it, it just feels really difficult to develop traction on the industry side on making any kind of movements or pledges. I mean, there's certainly been a lot of talk. I have certainly contributed to some research for a handful of companies about sustainability and packaging. This is, you know, left over from my, my previous previous jobs. But it's really, really hard. It's also a small, it's a tiny industry with not a lot of capital that's making money in very, very fine margins. I think that's another contributing factor as well. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Why is it that skateboarding, I mean, skateboarders are definitely talking about and thinking about global warming, but what is it about the skateboard industry or the skateboard press that, what are we failing to do here? I don't know if it's the skateboard industry or press's role to really, you know, you, to, why is it skateboarding's job? Like, yeah, I'm sounding very pessimistic, but it's, <laughs> it's not pessimistic. It's, it's, well, or, or just, you know, it, I, I just like I don't want to, you know, undercut the, the foundation of the question. It's just it's not skateboarding's job to do this. Skateboarding is a thing on its own. It is good if, you know, skateboard brands and companies can raise awareness and do some best practices. But I think it exists outside of like carbon capture. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not up enough on all the issues to even make a good joke about it. It's just not, I don't, I, I've said it pre on previous episodes. It's not skateboarding's job to do that. It can raise awareness and it can set people up to be more thoughtful, thoughtful about their choices, but it's not skateboarding's job to address climate change. No, I, I mean, it, it's multinational oil companies. <laughs> I, I want to push back on that. Cause I, I think that it's kind of everybody's job to think about global warming and like climate change and our impact on the environment, you know, and skateboarding, we chop down trees to make our skateboards and we glue them together with God knows what. So I think that those are things that can be thought about and worked on. I know that there were some bamboo boards made a while ago and Habitat made some, and I guess they didn't catch on. I never skated one, but I think that there's things that skateboarding can do to address global warming. And I think that I, I don't even know if that's happening, if people are looking into more organic glues or whatever, but I think that everybody should be at least thinking about it or like that should be a thought that comes in when decisions are being made, you know? And maybe it's just like, well, the, the organic glue costs like, you know, make a board cost 200 bucks, so we're not going to do that. But like, at least it should be thought about. I, I would like it to be thought about. And maybe that organic glue one day won't be so expensive and our boards won't be as toxic if they even are. I don't, I don't really even know that much, but that's, that's kind of my view on it. And the final point I'd reiterate, um, and sorry to cut you off earlier, Templeton is again, you need to point the finger accordingly towards large multinational companies, manufacturing extractive industries like coal and oil, who number one, got us here in the first place, 150 plus years of industrial, the unchecked industrialization is what helped create global warming. Right. If not, was not the, the the primary driver of it. And then number two is that these companies also spent billions of dollars and decades burying the science that revealed science that revealed as early as the 1950s that global warming was a thing. Same thing with hiding the health effects of smoking. Anyway, it's a little bit like a little bit of column A, column B. We can do a lot as individuals in our consumption habits and our spending habits, but also we need to hold those companies account. Uh, for what they've done to the planet, but Certainly. we could probably have a we could we could probably have a whole other conversation about that. I'd like to pull up the next question, which is: if you could fund a feature-length documentary, what skater, spot, or story would be your subject? 
So I'll throw this question to you, Templeton. I don't know if it would be a feature length documentary, but I, I've always had, I've always wanted to do a radio story or like a podcast type story about the creation of the iconic Mark Gonzalez frontside pivot at Alcatraz. You know, like I, I talked to somebody who was there who worked at the skateboard bag and just kind of like mentioned it. And they, they told the Alcatraz people that they were just doing like a, a fashion shoot and they weren't going to skate. So they kind of like snuck their tricks. And I don't know, it's like an iconic photo. It's like the, it's, it's the first piece of skate media that I remember. So it's like kind of important to me and it's iconic. And I think that there's, there's a lot of story there. So I think that's, that's the documentary that I want to see or create. Um, if someone wants to fund me to make that, that would be rad. Mike, is there a feature-length documentary you want to fund? Uh, I think I'm interested in kind of the, yeah, um, troubleshooters, like post-San Diego high point in skateboarding, because San Diego, yeah, what, early 90s, kind of plan B was top of the game, and then it kind of has has been on the back burner ever since, but like... <laughs> I love the troubleshooters video so much and it's very funny that it's like Wisconsin dudes in San Diego basically and then you know Smolik the SD god JWD but um like that kind of that's that's like the formulation of all in my point of view and I might be wrong but like that's the form that's when San Diego skateboarding skate mafia was all formulated and it's been like in this wonderful stasis ever since. So let's do let's do a documentary on San Diego skateboarding from '97 on. I would love to see that, Patrick. Where are you where are you going to put your seed money? I'm going to hit up Academy Award winner Questlove, drummer of the Roots, and also producer of the film Summer of Soul, to do a documentary about Philly skateboarding from say 1993 to 2003. I think almost everybody from that era is still alive. It would be great to talk about the rise of Philly skateboarding and just use that. It's a seemingly random cutoff. I think 93 to 2003 or 92 to 2002 would be really cool because you capture the rise of Love Park. You see the the internationalization of Love Park and you see at the end you could talk about the eventual decline and shuttering and destruction of the park. But then also, you know, the music would be absolutely fire. And because Questlove is Questlove and knows all sorts of celebrities and people in the industry, it would probably, it, I think it, there's a great story to tell there. Um, not just because of the skating, but then you think about how that vibe, Philly skateboarding, DC Shoes owes its resurgence to Philly skateboarding. And I think that could be really interesting. And it would be great to get a little bit more insight into DC's offer of something like a million bucks a year, or excuse me, it was like a million dollars over 10 years, excuse me, uh, for repairs. You know, they were going to say, like, we'll sponsor the maintenance of the park if you'll let it be legalized. And somebody on the city council got a B in their bonnet and said no, which is, again, in retrospect, so dumb. But we it's could probably have a whole conversation. Yeah. It's like, insane that they would turn that money down. Do you see? I mean, like, this is a skateboard company. That's how that's that's how that's how good they were living. That's how much money they were coming in with that they could say we're going to offer the mecca of East Coast skateboarding right now a million bucks. We will repair and do everything. Like that's money that goes a really, really long way. And in retrospect, like what an awful political decision. <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah. interesting what ha what could have happened when the money stays within skateboarding. Exactly, exactly. I think it would have changed DC's whole trajectory. Yeah, it could have. I mean, I feel like they've had a decent trajectory. Uh, some yeah. low points, but I think they're on the up and up right now. But they can thank Philly for keeping the... Keeping the light on, keeping the swag on, <laughs> because that's a real reason why like, a lot of people are paying back attention. And yeah, they're, they're, it, it's, I, I wish them nothing but the best. And also, Philly is an awesome city, and I think that story, that story really needs to be told. So it's getting, it's getting late around here, but uh, Templeton, I got, I got a question from you submitted by uh, Pat Smith of Coda Skateboards. Yeah? Yeah. When will you guys add uh maddie to the staff uh i think that's a good question um maybe next week what do you guys think patrick yeah yep got the chain ready got the mostly skateboarding pendant ready gonna dap homegirl up put the chain on welcome to the fam i'm down what y'all think mike, mike what do you think uh 
the chain is ready. The chain has been made. It's on. <laughs> there we go. Uh, something to look out for next week, which I think we're all very stoked on. Which brings us to the end of our show, where we talk about what we're stoked on. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on Spitfire Wheels, and I think I'm going to see if I can track down a set of those bunt wheels. Uh, I've been loving a song called General Nature by a band from Pennsylvania called Riverside from the early 90s. really like the new Lakai video, Bubble. The soundtrack was really good. The skating was great. It's Again, Krell Tap is going from strength to strength in the rehabilitation of their image and their style. Uh, very hyped. Very stoked that Palace announced that a new video, Beta Blockers, is coming out next week. Also, oh, so ready for soccer to be back, football to be back. Premier League, La Liga, and Ligue 1 uh, all starting again this weekend. Uh, been following France, uh, the French women's national team, and the Women's World Cup. Hyped to stay up for that game. Also been bumping an album called Floating Into the Night by Julie Cruz. And the new Johnny Wilson video. Mike, what you stoked on this week? Absolutely stoked on Johnny's vid. Uh, intent. Oh, yeah, excuse me. Antonio Dorao is an absolute maniac on a skateboard. That dude's crazy. Crazy good. Um, we have talked about it, but just to put it in clear terms, this week I had an interview posted on quartersmacks.com with Justin Bull from Detroit. He makes videos, fixes spots. Might not even like making videos that much, but he's kind of like a facilitator in the Detroit scene. And uh, it was a pleasure to talk to him on the phone and get to know him. And uh, I really do think that like that type of person who just wants to facilitate and make stuff happen is key to skateboard scenes that are going to do shit. And uh, yeah, thanks to Justin, who is a great person to work with. Um, skate journalism can be... <laughs> like pulling teeth sometimes it was not this time around so thanks to justin again um also stoked on like i'm building a bike right now i've got a surly steamroller frame that i got for father's day for my wife she's great and i just bought some parts for it so we're gonna we're gonna see how that comes around and if i can learn some new things templeton what are you stoked on this week uh man i'm i'm really stoked on your quarter snacks piece like i mentioned before also stoked that you're building a bike i kind of had my eye on uh, one of the steamrollers uh yeah. i'm gonna put like some some big knobby tires on it i kind of kind of figured myself for like a little like track low cross type build um, uh fixed gravel bike is the idea yeah sounds sick i'm excited for yeah. you yeah thank um, you otherwise uh very stoked on all the questions. We couldn't get all of them. There were so many good ones, but really the show would be like two or three hours long. So thank you everybody for submitting questions. Maybe we'll answer some just online or something, but to me, it just shows that we built a good community here around the show. And uh, I just really appreciate everybody who listens to the show and like, you know, we'll send a DM or comment or like whatever. So thank you. Stoked on you guys. That's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. At this point, you probably know how to do that, right? Right, guys? Should we skip this this week? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, man. We we don't know how to travel. We don't know how to, like, finish the show if we don't do it. Oh, shit. Yeah, maybe you're right. All right, Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on twin the twinter. <laughs> I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle at M Munzenrider. Patrick, where can the people find you? On threads on Instagram at Pikigongo. I'm also on Blue Sky, but I don't remember what my handle is because I never use a joint. I just parked my name. And you can find me being weird on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks and uh doing stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation. Templeton. Oh, by the way, for Harold Hunter Foundation, we are also collecting donations uh, because we are about to start sending some skaters to camp. We'll include a link in the show notes. Templeton, remind me after we get off. And Templeton, where can the people find you on Bobby, 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 Digi, Digi, Digi's internet? You can find me on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding and on Twitter at Mostly Skate, along with Twitter. Fuck is this X shit? We'll see you guys next week.